We're doing a Stranger Thing. Woo! I'm so excited. <laughs> Especially because we have a special guest with us today, don't we, Corey? We do. We do, Nancy. We have to with us today the one and only pop culture junkie. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me on here. Mr. PB and J. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you for coming on today. Hey, I'm I'm here to talk about strange because it's awesome. Strange the thing, not strange the doctor, though. No, no, <laughs> not today. No. Maybe, yeah, maybe one day. Yeah. Uh, 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 teasers. <laughs> <laughs> panic, panic. So where do we want to start? Well, yeah, so we're here to talk about Stranger Things. I finally watched season one, and I guess we're going to go through and break it down kind of episode by episode. But I, I do want I want everyone to know that when he says he just watched it. I finished it last literal night. thing. He is so late to this boat. <laughs> to, in my defense, I didn't care. And in my defense, still watching this, I watched it more of the eye of someone watching it as a chore for something he's doing versus something to enjoy. It's not my typical show. I'm not a big horror fan as it is. Um, I prefer more campy things, more com comedy, more action-oriented things. That being said, overall, I did enjoy what I saw, and it's very enjoyable, and I'm looking forward story-wise to seeing where Season 2 takes it to see if it becomes less tropey, in my opinion. But we'll, we'll get into where I, I feel about it. Let's, let's start with Episode 1. Um, in this episode, you get introduced to everybody, your main cast of boys. You get introduced to you playing a D&D &D game. Second edition, by the way. Second edition. <laughs> Just throwing that little tidbit of knowledge out there. I dare you to play second edition. I can barely handle fifth edition, all right? I know, I know my weaknesses. So. <laughs> so we get introduced to our cast of boys here. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's set. What is it? It's supposed to be 1983? Mm-hmm. Yep. 1983, November 6, 1983, it starts off. Yeah. Wow. Before I was alive. Well, the sweater <laughs> game is on point for the 80s, you know, with the collars outside the sweaters. And I, I will say, like, first impressions of the first episode, like watching it, because I, I enjoy the 80s, even though I am not a product of the 80s by any means. But I love the aesthetic. So to see, like, in my opinion, like, everything that I know of it, like, as, like, a visual standpoint, was on point. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, I felt immersed in the 80s as soon as the episode starts with the way the kids are playing the board games. They're riding their bikes home at night. Uh, you get the first view of the school. I mean, everything it just felt really relatable for me. I did grow up in the 80s, so... Yeah, it was very relatable. And that's actually one of the things I was going to ask was, for you as someone who did experience this growing up in the 80s, was it pretty pretty much what you would expect it to do to replicate what it could? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the school you see later on whenever they're going to the school the next morning, I went to a school, a couple of elementary schools that looked exactly like this one. So it was just like, you know, bringing me back to my childhood. So and then on top of that, like uh, Nancy mentioned, the the clothing and then the uh, the music. I mean, it just it they 
they made sure to bring in all the elements to make you really feel like you're in the 80s. Oh, the music's so good, though. I love 80s music. Like, yeah. um, it's, it's just, it's so good. <laughs> 80s just... were a time for music. I will give it that. Yeah. Everything was happy and uplifting. And then you hit the 90s and grunge took over. Grunge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But so. back to the beginning side of episode one here. You've got your boys around the table. So you've got, you get introduced to Mike, Lucas, Dustin, and Will. Dustin, he's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> and unassumingly looking at it as the show sets up in this episode, you don't expect it to take where it goes to it. You, you think it's just a show about, about the boys playing games being boys. Or even like delving into like their imaginations a little bit, like, but nope. <laughs> as no, soon as it... as soon as Will, you know, leaves after his fateful dice roll, which it, which I think was like a cool little like nod of yeah. My like, favorite thing was it's basically to the DMC it. No, then it doesn't count. <laughs> that's a very good D and D thing. Is if the DM's out of the room and you roll, that's usually what you do. Is you you roll again if you if you screw up. <laughs> but then, like, he had to be honest. He's like the Demogorgon got me. Yeah, and you just a... you felt the foreshadowing. Like ah. Well, like having watched it the first time and looking back at that scene, it's just ironic how he says it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so they ride their bikes home from Mike's house, um, and Dustin and Will race for a comic. And then Dustin immediately gets mad, like, hey, no fair! I didn't, I didn't say, say stall! <laughs> and I just, I like how the beginning, like, that just sets up a friendship between them all. I like how well it sets up their friendship to know who they are. It doesn't do much to tell you, but it's enough. Yeah, the the relationships seem very natural, and it just seems like we're just getting input to a certain amount of time where there's no building. It's just like, this is what it is. Have fun. It's kind of like they do with Spider-Man Homecoming. They just put you in the world. You know he's Spider-Man. Right. It's like, like we're not their friends. Let's yeah. go. You know yeah, their they, friends. They don't, they don't spend adventure. a whole lot of time trying to do a backstory or anything like that. You just get dropped into their world, and you know, okay, this is how they are, and you get to learn about them, their relationship right away. Which and, and then, like, their personalities do come out, too, which I think, like, really, I, I will say, like, I don't like Will. But, like... <laughs> He's very whiny. Yeah, but it's also justified, so it's, like, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult relationship for me as a viewer with Will He's Byers. a victim. He's a victim. He's been through and, a lot. But, like, boy, can that man act or that kid, whatever you want to call him. I'm sure they're adults now. Like, but he could, he could act like he's got that frightful face, like down to it. And I appreciate that because I felt scared for him once he got back to his house and stuff got kind of creepy. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that part when he gets back to his house. It was a nice for me again. There's, I mean, there's so many pop culture references throughout the show and the episodes. It's, it was just a blender of pop culture for me. And growing up watching movies like E.T., that was a nice throwback to that right away when you have him going out to the, the shed and everything. I love that. Yeah, it's all because 
gave me like a Stephen Kingy kind of vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. This whole the whole setup in the house into the shed. It gave me that Stephen King movie like kind of vibe where it's got the dark shots, lights in the certain spots and different things, and it never shows the monster. Well, no, you can't spoil too much too quick. Like you know, you know it's a monster. Is it like the sounds and stuff that you hear and like the stuff that's happening, but it's like I don't know what it looks like. And I just like how the light gets really bright, goes away, and he's yeah. gone. Like you have no idea. It's just first time watching. It's where the hell's this kid at? He's he's the next uh, like Harry Houdini's like, and for my next trip. Like, but it's a really good setup because at first you don't know, is he being chased by something real or something that's uh, supernatural? You don't really know yet right away. Uh, so at least you're guessing. Yeah, and it, it does set up the does. precursor. It sets up the precursor, too, of like how important the lights end up becoming throughout the season. Yeah, it really mm-hmm. does. So it's like, it's like, I, I'll say, like, everything is so intentional, especially in the first episode, I feel, where it's, like, there's a purpose to literally, like, everything. So, like, they're not just going to make the light. I'm I'm happy they didn't make the lights just, like, flash really bright and then, like, disappear and then he disappeared, like, not, and then they never use, like, that, like. Yeah, it carries over the themes it sets up very well throughout the series. The lights, their their relationship, even you know the the aspects of D and D and the monsters and such, it carries over very well throughout the whole series. Yes, they don't really then, give you too many loose threads, which is good. So then the next day, we wake up to Police Chief Jim Hopper. Who is probably my second favorite character in the entire show. I think show. he is probably my favorite in this show as the police chief right now. Have I not seen season two? Oh no, I've seen season two. I've I've got this entire like series practically memorized. This is my favorite recent thing to come out in a really long time. So much so that my car's name is Eleven. <laughs> L for short. True story, we had to break into our car. We did. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I uh, I left my keys in my car, and we couldn't get them out, so we ended up, like, crane-gaming my keys out of my purse. Oh, wow. I'm outing you to the internet. That's I'm fine. Sorry. I'm a dumbass. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I've done worse. Anyway. So, yeah, so back to Hopper. Let's, let's stop putting me on blast for a minute. Hopper's an I, awesome character. Yeah, and he's yeah. got such a good character arc too, because I like that it like starts with him like, like groggily like waking up, not giving a fuck, smoking a cigarette, drinking a beer, like first thing in the morning. Life goals. Before going to work. Life goals. Really? No, but I can say it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So then we've got you know the the setup for him as a character, and then it flips to you meet Will's mom. Renata Wider coming back full force in the genre that makes her awesome. So 
And then Toadface Jonathan. Toadface Jonathan. (laughs) And this is where they find out that Will's missing. Anik mom sets in instantly. Instantly. Like they call, you know, they they call Mike's parents and make sure Will if Will was there or not. Yeah. And it kinda cuts from there to where it's you meet what is it? From there you go and meet Mike's you get more introduced to Mike's sister and Barb. Yeah, you meet Nancy and Barb, yeah. Nancy and Barb. And like her boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, no. the cool, wait, cool kid, Steve, yes. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Wait. She, he's not her boyfriend, right? He's just a friend. They're making out in the hallways. That's pretty much boyfriend status. Boyfriend-girlfriend status. Well, actually, no. They were making out in the bathroom first. Yeah. So they were still the kind of hidden. That's gross, by the way. Yeah, no. I don't need all that equal matter where I'm kissing. No, thank you. So, yeah. So, we're, we, we are now getting, like, characters thrown at us, like, left and right. And now we know that Will is, in fact, 100% missing. Because, you know, this was also at a time where parents didn't and really couldn't keep tabs on their kids. Before the days of cell phones. Right. It was either like, oh no, they're out just biking around, I'm sure. Like, there's a lot of assuming of like where your kids could possibly be. There was never really like, do eh, you know for sure? But yeah, that was the great thing about the 80s, though, is that it was, you know, it was a simple time when you could still ride your bike around neighborhoods, not have to necessarily worry about everything like nowadays. And it was just, you know, it. Again, you can low jack your kids to where you can track them on an app anymore or anything like that. <laughs> you could break into cars a lot easier. Definitely. <laughs> you could go into a hardware store, buy all the weapons you want, no questions asked. It's okay. Yeah, those radios were easier to steal back in the 80s, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So, so, we get back to the kids at school. And we also get introduced to the bully that's like making fun of Dustin, poor my poor sweet summer child. And it, you know, sets up a little bit more like tension, you know, for like kids, like, oh, this kid's kind of an asshole. A quote unquote <laughs> villain. Yes, the pre, like the, the red herring villain. Yeah, yeah. Like Snoke in the Last Jedi. Don't. Oh, it's <laughs> not. We, we don't. We don't need to bring we'll get, that up ever. No. You know, we'll do that one day. One day we'll do that because we have some varying <laughs> viewpoints on here. We do. <laughs> but that's but a anyways, whole another can of worms. I, I, I didn't mean that's to trigger That's out. a can of shit. That's not, not worms, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, we we have our, our red herring he- uh, villain. And then, like, school picks up. So then we got... You find out they're in a radio club, and that's fucking awesome. Yeah, right? 
like, I didn't have anything like that in elementary school. They're just like, get out of here. Like, no, we watched was, you long enough. Yeah, we had after school care for the kids whose parents worked late, and that was it. There was no transistor radio club. Oh, we didn't have any of that. They were like, get out. We watched you for like our eight hours. We're done. A lot of the teachers were already like in their cars driving away before the buses were even loaded. They were like, we out. Peace. <laughs> So yeah, so we we get more of, you know, more of the setup for the kids and then it, you know, shifts back to Joyce and Hopper, you know, dealing with the fact that Will is missing. <laughs> Will? Will! <laughs> <laughs> so Hopper's still being a dead-end cop. Like, all right, right. We haven't we haven't hit his motivation yet. It's fine. He's like, kids go sh- show up all the time. We'll find them. No big deal. Well, I like awesome. whenever we go into the police station and we meet all the characters that he has to work with. His couple of other officers. His what secretary? I guess is the the role of the older woman. I think yeah, so. Like secretary slash mom, because she's like, yeah. no smoking. Here's your take. Give me that donut. Here's your yeah. apple. Like, <laughs> as she keeps saying, Joyce is here. Someone's here. Joyce is here. And he's like, hey, hey, hey. Mornings are for what? Coffee <laughs> and <laughs> contemplation. I love that line. That's exactly what mornings are for. Exactly. Don't talk to me until days. I've finished my coffee. Yeah. I miss those days. Yeah, you'll get there eventually. Give it another, like, 18. 17 and a half, 17 and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, he's, she, he's pretty sure that Will, you know, couldn't have gone far. Um, well, because it's a small town, kids don't go missing, you know, it's this, uh, oh, he's, he wandered off somewhere, he's hanging out somewhere, yeah. He might actually just be at school, like, you're fine, like, calm down, lady. And Joyce is then- like, no. Then you get to see the lab. Yes. So after this, after, because, you know, Hopper, you know, they try to talk and Hopper's just being drunk with his, half drunk with coffee, con- trying to contemplate while this crazy woman's yelling about her missing kid. <laughs> it, you go to see the laboratory and you get introduced introduced to the doctor. Dr. Martin Brenner. Pop dun, dun, dun. Oh, that breaks my heart. (laughs) uh, We'll get there, we'll get there. Um, (laughs) Yeah, they ask, you find out that, I guess there's a missing girl from the lab? Yeah, we don't know much other than like, oh, she's not there. And then it's like, oh, she couldn't have gone far. Just like, Will couldn't have gone far. Then she steals food. I I oh. love it because it's like she's walking around in a hospital gown, and and she stumbles with, uh, upon this like burger joint with this like scary looking man, and then oh come on, Benny is awesome. Benny was uh, awesome. He was. Rip. Yeah. Rip. I mean, spoilers. Into- <laughs> Oops. It's it's a review. If yeah. if they haven't seen it by now. 
It's been a few years. Yeah. Yeah. Rip, yeah. Benny. Gone too soon. Yep. Oh, that That's was like prayers. the first. That's prayers. Like, I can't believe they. Uh, yeah, I just can't believe they, they got rid of him so soon. I, know. I really was expecting a longer character arc for him. It pulled a Game of Thrones on us. Big time. Totally. <laughs> Boom, dead. I'm like, oh, hey. okay then. Hey, <laughs> hey, spoiler alert. Everyone's all, all about Barb. I'm about Benny, okay? Come on. Yeah, right? Uh, Wasted potential. I don't even... I, I'm in the camp of like, eh, Barb was alright. Like, I I'm don't not, care about Barb. I'm not in the justice per, uh, for Barb camp. She but... was a casual... She, Barb was a plot device. <laughs> Prove me wrong. <laughs> no, you're right, though. Barb that's, was that's a plot Nancy. device. Prove me yeah, wrong. Yeah, that's Nancy's motivation right there. It was all about Barb. Hmm. She's the captain plot device of Stranger Things. <laughs> But yeah, yeah so, so you get so that. Yeah. So ben- Benny catches her trying to take some food, but you realize he's the the giant with the soft heart, though. <sighs> yeah. Also realizes that she is in fact a girl and not a not a boy because of her shaved head. Oh yeah, yeah, I totally glanced over the fact that he misgendered her. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely did, and like we also get just like a little bit more into like. Or like I don't know what's going on type of like personality and like just like it, the way that her lack of communication also kind of just speaks to like what she had dealt with. Yeah. Well, but even with that, it doesn't go much. There's so we're going a little ahead. So they he finds her getting the food surprised, and then it flashes back to the school where the cops show up. To ask the boys about Will. Right. And. And I'm told not to investigate it. And the second you tell a kid not to do something, what are they going to do? Well, yeah, they're going to do it. Duh. They're, they're yeah. going to do the thing. <laughs> That's why I'm doing a thing now. <laughs> a stranger thing. But still, a thing. Yeah. So yeah, so and we also get to see like a glimpse into like what her powers yeah, radio. are too. Before we move on from the school though, that radio yo. It's a purdy radio. Rip radio. Rip. So many casualties. <laughs> that was an unnecessary one. The radio should have lived. I'm gonna petition the writers to make the radio come back. Get a million signatures. Oh man! But uh. <laughs> yeah, so we get a glimpse into Eleven's powers, which is cool. We and it's just like, oh wait, there's something to that. And then it cuts back to Hopper. Like you get to find her. out her name. We do. Yeah, Name's name. Eleven. Eleven. She's even got a little tattoo. Yeah. And that's, yeah, she sees the fan and she makes it stop, which is kind of what's uh, really cool. The force is strong with this one, obviously. Yes. Yes. Then it flashes to Hopper and he finds Will's bike. But no signs of Will. 
No signs of Will. Nope. Where can he be? Uh, no one knows yet. Spoiler alert, though. We know where he is. <laughs> so... I guess... So, yeah. They find his bike. Then it goes over to Mike um, at home, fights with his family about it. And we spent a lot of time on this episode. There's a lot that happens. Yeah, that's it. We're setting the groundwork for everything. Got to establish everything. So, yeah, we're spending a lot of time on episode one, but we're going to move kind of more into just through the plot here. So, you find out, they find the bike. Um, they think Will's dad could be a suspect. Suspect, yeah. Yeah. Um, his girlfriend keeps hanging up the phone. Um, the father. The father's phone. The father's yeah. phone, yeah. The father's yeah. girlfriend and, and yeah. such. And um, we, learn, we learn in a flashback about how Jonathan was there for Will whenever his, their parents would be fighting, and you, know, you could tell it was not a happy home. Right. Should I say or should I go down? Um, <laughs> so, God, music's awesome in this show. It really. Is. I know. Um, Hopper notices the dog barking at the shed. Finds something behind the shelf, that. blinking light. And then they they get up a search party going. Yeah. Well, the kids are also like. Conducting their own investigation. Yeah. So, yeah, the kids use their basically walkie-talkies to kind of talk about it to go find everything. Um, Benny calls social services over 11. They show up, quote-unquote. And Benny dies. Rip Benny. Because because they had the wires tapped. And then 11 uh, kills two agents. Yeah, we get to really see what she's capable of doing. And it was, I squealed. I was like, no way. <sighs> I was so hyped. <laughs> <laughs> Her powers throughout this, it's just really cool to see what she can do. Yes. And season two just gets so much better. Oh, oh yeah. But yeah. So, you know, so we get to see more of like, you know what she's made of and we're we're getting to see like Nancy's character arc with Steve of them all like cuddling up and like Steve's trying to get her to like strip study interesting tactic like <laughs> so i want to kind of go yeah so and then Mike but it might catches him climbing in the window and he's like, yeah. eh, I, got, I got my own stuff to worry about. Go ahead. Yeah, it's kind of an unseen Take thing. Go ahead. Yep. <laughs> and then he mentions it in the morning. Get much studying done. Uh, and then she's just like, don't you dare, like, <laughs> don't you wrap me out. Good good uh, older sister, younger brother kind of tension there. Like, so then... Well, I mean- Clearly, clearly, again with you know that family, you know the the their father was very attentive on everything. Um, oh yeah. yeah. No, here's the thing though. With <laughs> the exception of Joyce Byers, 
none of the parents give a flying fuck about their kids. No, like, really. The mm -hmm. fact and like you know we've already spent so much on episode one, so I'm just gonna let it all out now. Well, I think we're like, out. I think we're past episode one where we are plot wise. I think we're actually on episode two at this point. Yeah. So like when we you know we're we're really deep diving, but just like the fact that like Mike is able to have Leave a person. No, not even have a person live in their basement for days and have the parents not notice at all shows you I mean, how it was the much 80s. they don't. It was a different <laughs> time. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a line, guys. <laughs> their kid came home every night. That's all they could ask for in the 80s. Yeah. Yep, they made Kids it. They made it another day. <laughs> It's just like the the level of not caring because like I mean I didn't get that because I guess like I'm not a product of the '80s, so it made me mad. I'm like, how do you not notice these things? Well, we'll see. You know, growing up, you know, '80s, you had movies like The Goonies, where the kids took care of everything on their own, and the parents weren't you know worried about things. They were like, oh, these kids got it; they're good. They can handle well, their own business. Well, it's the kids, and then one more capable teenager. So we almost get the same setup, except we get a couple more teenagers in this, where we've got... You yeah, know, Thanos was a good guy in that movie, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we've got, we've got like five kids in this, and then we've got three handy-dandy teenagers that, like, you know, offer, like, car and, like, older years experience and such. So... There's a is lot. It's just the Goonies for horror fans. Is that what Stranger Things is? It's got a lot of elements of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're battling supernatural forces in Stranger Things, whereas they're fighting the Fratelli mob and the Goonies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eleven would be your. Uh... <laughs> would be um. Would that, would that be our? Uh... Uh, I can't remember his name. Sloth. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Hey, you guys. Hey, you guys. Yep. That would be your 11. Hey, you guys. Well. Ruth. Ruth. Dustin needs baby to. Baby Ruth. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> I think we can. Credits. We're done. You so instead of Baby Ruth, we got waffles. We got Eggo waffles. There we go. There's the connection. Yeah. yeah. If you've seen the Goonies, you've seen Stranger Things. There's our conclusion. On that disappointment, we'll end. Okay. So forget <laughs> about Stranger Things. Just go watch Goonies. Go watch Goonies. It's awesome. Okay. So anyways. Anyway. So, so amongst all of this, the kids meet eleven. Yeah. And they find her in the woods after running away from the diner. Yeah. They and ask her questions. And like Will like falls like almost instantly in love. It's like, whoa. <sighs> this girl's not disgusted by me. <laughs> yeah, it's like, come on, kid, play the field a little bit. Don't just you know that's, that's just lazy. Oh no, Millie Bobby Dustin. Brown's a cutie though. Like it's 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 it's, it's Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Everything in the eighties had to have that Disney element in it. Come on. Very true. So they they meet her and then it becomes like, oh well, we're just gonna like hide her out in the basement. Cause no big deal. Like keeping a dog for your parents for a couple days before it's like, no, I've had him. I've been taking care basically. of him. Can we keep it? I mean, basically. <laughs> yeah. 
and it's more and she's like not so willing to talk because she's so like freaked out and it's just like no bad place bad men so it kind of sets up more about what the lab is like you know doing to her yeah and you get the phone call I think it's the same episode as the phone call that she gets from, I I must will, basically. (laughs) Um, Is it? Where the, I mean, is it? We don't know, but when she asks, what have you done, and the phone shorts out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then Hopper shows up after searching all night, and she's like, I called you hours ago, and he's like, all right, what, what do you want me to look at? And look at the phone. He's like, okay, power outage. She's like, what? <laughs> this is a like, power outage? That's not how phones work. It's not connected to power. It's connected to the phone line. Yeah. I, you know, I'm going to jump ahead here for a second, though, because I like how skeptical Hopper is of everything until he breaks into the lab. Right. And then he's like, oh. I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. And like, I know this too. Like, cause like he has like a, like he used to be like a better cop and then like, you know, more, more jumping ahead, more spoilers. Shit happened. His, his daughter dies and like, then like wife leaves him and then like he moves into the middle of nowhere where nothing happens. So all this shit happens. Yeah. And he's got motivation to be a good cop again. Cause he was like, I think more, like, he was on a better police force, and, like, he was, like, a really good cop until everything happened. So, and then he, like, gets to, like, use his skills just with a, with an extra beer belly now. So, <laughs> and it's cool to see him, like, secret agent his way through the, uh, through the lab. And it kind of, for me, like, as a kid, like, playing super secret spy... Like, doing things I'm not supposed to... That's kind of what that scene reminded me of, but, like, in a serious adult way. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot that... That just his character in particular goes through in this... In the series of eight episodes that just... Gives you, like, a good arc for him. Yeah, Hopper has a good arc, and Nancy, I think, has probably the best character development. Yeah, uh, let's, let's talk about Nancy a bit here. And not so, me, Nancy. I know we look so close. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, it shows her at the beginning. She's the, the outcast girl that the popular boy takes a liking to. Because she's so pretty. Because she's so pretty. Um, you know, the parents gra- basically ground them while Will's missing because they don't want anything to happen to the kids. Like, the only concern they have for them is putting them under house arrest while Will's missing. And that's it. Like, and it's not it's, even like, no, poor Will. It's like, okay, we're not losing our kids. Like, we don't want that to happen to us. So, y'all yeah, no, are fuck stuck. you. We're staying home and <laughs> watching our kids while not watching our kids. They're up in their rooms, we hope. Yeah. And screw having screens to, you know, make it so people can't get in and out of windows. Well, so, yeah, they have that, you know, she convinces Barb to go to the party, to go to a party with her at his house. And I like how she got 
to the party too. She's like, oh, it's for Will's like, you know, memorial thing at school. Like everyone's <sighs> super sad. Everyone's going to be there. And like, it's support for her brother who's best friends with Will. And then she goes to a party. And I respect that as a hooligan teenager. Cause I did stuff like that. Let's yeah. So <laughs> this party, you know, beforehand she's telling Barb that, you know, you're for this. I'm not going to do that. And she basically does everything that she says she's not going to do, which a teenager does. Absolutely. And then goes upstairs with Steve and Barb essentially, well, Barb cuts her hand with the, yeah, she's trying to shotgun a beer. Yeah. And you know, goes inside, cleans it up, and comes back out and sits on the diving board while Nancy's upstairs with Steve. And, poor, and I will say for this, poor Barb is like, I've been the fifth wheel or fourth wheel or third wheel so many oh, times. No. Yeah. it's For her, I think it's, yeah, this would be the fifth wheel for her. So it's like, because the other people were the couple. Yeah. Um, and then Nancy and Steve are like getting all cuddly so she's just like (laughs) passionately (laughs) hugging (laughs) so while barb's on the diving board you have will's brother following and basically he was taking pictures of the scene where will's bike disappeared heard noises and started taking pictures of the party like a creeper he's a creep he's a creep Pictures of Nancy up in the window. He's an artist. He's a photographer. He's an artist. Yeah, just misunderstood. He still has a toad face. (laughs) And he gets pictures of he gets pictures of Barb on the diving board, and then he goes. He drops his camera down, and in that second, she disappears. Right. But we learn later he did get a picture of something else at the time as well. Yes. Yes. That comes into play for Nancy later, then, finally. Because when she yeah. finally shows concern for her missing friend. Yes. Yeah. And they declare they end up basically declaring it a runaway. They find her car parked at a bus station. Yeah, so, so far, we've got Will, who wasn't really missing. Like, it was fine, but now he's, like, actually missing, so that's what everyone's caring about. Benny's death was ruled a suicide, suicide. for no reason. Like, because, you know... Cops don't have time for that. And now Barb's like, oh, no, she's a runaway. Like, so we've got so many cases of, like, just, like, small-town cops, like, really just brushing it off when more serious things are happening. Small-town cops Mm. being small-town cops. Right. (laughs) So, and then Nancy's just like, no, she didn't run away. She would never do that. Like. Um, I do want to talk about the scene where Jonathan has the pictures when Steve and them can, you know, find out about him. Yeah, and this is when Steve is still a douche he's, nozzle. He's a douche. Yeah. Alright, I'll be honest, I can't blame him. No, no you see pictures of your the, girl and... Yeah, yeah. given the context. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't really care or know much about... Like, everyone in the small town talks, but it's like, okay, I'm not concerned with this. All I know is that you've taken pictures of me and my friends, like, kind of in a creepy way. So, I need to exactly. teach you a lesson. No, exactly. So, it's... But that also is kind of, again, plot device, because Nancy helps him pick up the pictures and notices the one of Barb. And then she's like... But, okay, so, 
here's my here's my issue with that. Okay. Tell me how, in what universe of the stars aligning is she able to pick up every shred of that? Because he shredded a whole bunch of those photos. How did she get all the ones that conveniently made the picture of Barb with the Demogorgon in it? Because that's a that's a convenient little little thing that just so happened to happen that still bugs me Cause because there's no way welcome to hollywood welcome to hollywood <laughs> it's just like ugh, one of my pet peeves because they do so well on so much of this and it was just like there's no way that was possible especially with the wind blowing i call malarkey <laughs> yeah, no movie magic plot devices right so that whole thing though leads to them developing pictures in the dark room and becoming friends friends-ish to start yeah yeah they figure out you know that there's a monster for people and they resolve to kill it with a gun well not just with a gun but also with like a bear trap and then like a bat with a bunch of nails (laughs) yeah brings the gun and he's missing all the cans yeah and nancy takes it and like first try shoots the can off Yeah, after like, uh, after Jonathan like misses like all of them, and Nancy's like, "No, nah, man, I got this." Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, he was saying he's aiming to miss them, and then she just hits them all. <laughs> you know, sadly, it's the other characters in this show do a lot more than just the than the boys do. Actually, well, no, because. They've also like with like talking with like eleven and like like right. So everyone the- has their own piece of the puzzle, which I I very much appreciate because you've got Nancy and Jonathan that discover the monster, I- and then you've got the boys that discover the quote unquote upside down thanks to thanks to the teacher, and then you've got Joyce and Hopper that discover that like the lab is awful. And like right. also that, you know, so like they have their own ways. So here's my thought on to why I say this. Hypothetically speaking, if Eleven didn't meet the boys and continued running, she'd have found someone else and eventually would have led her to Hopper, which could have triggered the same set of events. It's a good story. It's a great story with Stranger Things, but it almost to me feels like the other characters do more to the overall ending of the story than the boys do. It seems the boys are just the convenient transfer piece for the Ark of the Covenant, so to speak, in Eleven. Well, not, I don't think so, because, like, you also got to think about this, the the whole part of the episode with the compass, where, like, my boy Dustin comes in, and he's like, compasses always point north, so unless there's a strong magno, you know, magnetic field that messes with it, then... Like, all of a sudden, like, so he's able to kind of figure out that, like, there's something more powerful going on with the quote-unquote, like, electric company plant, because they're setting off all these magnetic wavelengths that are messing up the compasses, and that's how, um, oh, what's his name? Not, uh, oh my goodness, I'm blinking on his name. Who? Lucas. Lucas, that's his name. 
That's how Lucas like goes and actually spots the lab was by following the broken compass. He was going to where the needle was pointing, which was not north. So like they still, so they were able to find like where all the problems were coming from. Nancy and Jonathan found the problems and then Hopper was kind of like, okay, something's up with this lab. And then Joyce was more like, my boy's still alive. And she starts talking to Christmas lights. <laughs> yeah, she starts talking to Christmas lights and paints the alphabet on the wall. Right. And I, I think we need to talk about Joyce Byers for a little bit because, like, she we haven't, we haven't spent. She did, but the deep end got her to where she needed to be. So, you know, we see her just like go from just like frantic mom to kind of crazy. Frantic mom. <laughs> I do like the yeah. scene where she demands an advance. Yeah, she's like, I've been that's here. Telephone. I've never called in six. Give me these Christmas lights. Give me the advance and give me those stupid cigarettes. And I'm like, yeah, woman, get it. Let's go. <laughs> and then so, paints the house. I think this is one of easily one of the writer's best roles of all time. And I've been a fan of hers for 30 years. So, yeah. She's, she's everything. I, I love her so much. I'm so happy she's back. <laughs> and it's definitely like like she does such a great job. And to be honest, like Renona Wider White like Joyce Byers, like her performance in this reminds me so much of my own mom. From like the chain smoking to like the the spastic nature. Like that was like ten out of ten my mom. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. She was uh, I mean the character arc is good for her as well because she ends up, yes, being right in the end, but man, she did she, she went crazy. She's a mother looking for a child. I mean... Desperate times call yeah. for painting yeah. the alphabet on the on the wall. And talking to Christmas lights saying their will. Yep. But, I mean, the Christmas lights answered, I mean, it, so like, what else? They did. I like how it just said run. Right. And like I said, that goes back to the whole like light bulb scene from the very first episode of it, like all coming back together. Like that was an element that kept. So it's like, okay, so like the lights are important. They interact. And like light is one of those things that kind of like ties those two together. And it's like, that's how he was able to communicate. So it was good. And, but like her just holding like that bundle of like flashlights, like in the little <sighs> cupboard, like two blinks for yes, one blink one for blink no. For no. <laughs> and it's like now it's like oh we probably should have taught this kid morse code because then like right the, instead of like having to paint the alphabet and like doing like you know in hgtv's worst nightmare home re you know redecorations <laughs> it's like oh morse code like you, you could just walked around with the ball of unplugged in lights and everything would have been fine like, <laughs> yeah, she sees the, the demon and the hole through the wall. <laughs> and then her ex-husband comes to fix it after Will's funeral. Oh, yeah, when they find the body. Yeah. So, find the body yeah, she the knew quarry. it wasn't her boy. Hopper yeah. goes and investigates it, and it turns out it's like a stuffed animal, basically. <laughs> it's like a dummy. It's, it was. Uh, and it's... And I'll say to to Joyce's credit too, she's like, "Oh, he's got a freckle, 
on his like left shoulder. Can you show that to me? Because like she's just like, nope, this isn't my boy. I know better. And like she's getting super specific with like things that like you couldn't know. Because like you can make a you can make a dummy based off of like general like height and weight and like you have pictures of his face like that's it but like it's those like small details of like where's that freckle and i think after she asked that she stormed out she's like that is not my son that is not my boy and then they have a freak out in the middle of town and jonathan goes back and starts looking at coffin ends up looking at caskets and such yeah which was kind of like ooh, ooh, this sucks Will's dad is a piece of shit. Oh yeah. Sorry. He is he is a deadbeat dad. Like I've cursed more on this one episode than I have on any of our recordings since. Well, this one I mean, there's so much passion that I have, so like it's gonna come out. His dad's a deadbeat. It's and then like he's always just like and he just like blames this like, you know, you're not a fit mother. Look what happened. Look what this house is. Your son is missing and he's dead under your watch. And he's like victim blaming for Joyce. And then just wants the money in the end. Right. Like, so what's, what's this? Get out. Get out. So, like, I respect her for, like, you know, not falling back into his, his bullshit. I like how the boys during the funeral wait till we tell Will that the popular girl cried. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, the show is itself takes a ride through it. You get the scene with Eleven where the boys have to test, basically test their friendship. And Mike chooses wrong. No, see, and even, like, kind of before that, too, is, like, Dustin, like, oh, she's got, like, telekinesis powers. powers. Make this fly. And then he, like, drops the Millennium Falcon over and over again. And then... So two things went through my mind and my body as I watched that was one he was dropping a Millennium Falcon. So I was like, oh. Yeah, that broke my heart. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, no. And then two, which is also what they said, she's not a dog, even though she, she kind of is like a one. dog. Yeah, she kind of is I, one because like she's living in a little thing and they're feeding her leftovers. Like before I talk actually about the testing, I do want to talk about the bully wetting his pants. Yes. Because I loved that scene. Eleven makes him piss himself. Yeah. Yep, they get her all dolled up and she's pretty. Pretty. Pretty good. The way he like brushes it off, like, oh yeah. Just just pretty yeah, yeah, good. Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> and then she's later, like, Am I still okay. pretty? Oh yeah. <sighs> Kids. So cute. So cute. Young love. Now love is complicated. Like <laughs> But, yeah, the fact that she, like, and she did it like a badass, too. She, like, looked at him, made him pee her pants, and then she just, like, went, like, and, like, pimped, walked away. <laughs> and then it kind of goes back later to the bully corners them at, like, the quarry, basically. And Oh, yeah, that was a great scene. Mike, you know, he's got Dustin with a knife to his throat, and Mike jumps, and Eleven makes him fly, and then breaks the bully's arm. <laughs> Yeah. And that's also yeah. kind of when like everything starts tying together too, because like then the boy goes to Hopper because 
you know, you've got entitled mom coming in and being like, we demand to speak to the chief of police right now. I need now. to speak to your manager. Yeah, she was a Karen, 100%. And, like, I'm going to just, Sorry, I need mom. to talk to him. And then, like, she's just like, oh, it was this girl. And then all of a sudden, like, he's interested. And then it gets, like, a full rundown. So, like, that's when you start seeing, like, everything kind of, like, come together. <sighs> They build a sensory. I like how they call their teacher to build a sensory deprivation tank. Yeah, and even before we get to that too, we also need to talk about Nancy going into the upside down. So we so we get the explanation from the teacher of like alternate dimensions of like the upside down with the flea. Yeah, you know, with the very simple thing, which I thought was a really cool way of explaining it in like a very simple kind of way. You know, enough for, like, kids to understand and then also, like, people watching at home that may or may not, like, like look into multiverse theories and alternate universe, like, so ideas you. in their free time. Excuse so me. No. Excuse me. No. <laughs> I love the idea of multiverse and alternate realities. So shove it. And... <laughs> It's cool that they like explain everything and like the whole like puncture. It's like, okay, you need something that's powerful enough to kind of break that seal. And then like, obviously the demigorgon is able to kind of go in and out, like to like feed and, you know, only under like certain circumstances, I think, like where he's like really able to kind of get out there. I refuse then... to call it the upside down, by the way, it will still be the sh I'm calling it what the show calls it. So, but they also called it the, like the shadow fell, and it totally That's... makes sense for what that realm is. It totally makes. Sense. See, but that's also you know not anything that I've played because I'm on fifth edition, and that's all but I've touched. They explain so... what it is. I know. <sighs> Pleb. Whatever. But. So Nancy and Jonathan are walking around in the woods with their with their weapons for just looking. They they find a deer. They find a deer and they a end dying up dying deer. They end up putting the deer out of its misery. Rip deer. Gone too soon. Right. That was Bambi's dad. <laughs> I don't know. They said it was a, a baby still, so uh, it was Bambi. Maybe it was Bambi. So then, like, Nancy, like, they're all kind of, like, wandering a little bit, and then, like, oh, this hole in this tree is weird. So Alice in Wonderland style, she kind of, like, crawls through it. Yeah. yeah. She falls down the rabbit hole. Yeah. She uh, literally falls down the rabbit hole. Uh -huh. And then she's in the upside down. Shut up, though. Okay, she Shut up. <laughs> Whatever. And then, like, she's, like, creeping around in that, and she runs into the Demogorgon. If I'm not mistaken, it's the first time you actually see it. Yes, this is the first time we do get to like, see it. episode as six, well. episode five, episode six is the first time you see it. It's almost, like, the series is almost done with, you finally see it. Mm-hmm. And even still, it's just, like, brief, like, glimpses. We don't get to see it, like, in its glory, but we do get to see it's, like, Orfold face just open up. 
Yeah. And then mm. she runs. <laughs> yeah. Runs out. And then stuff really starts, like, you know, ramping up from there where she's like, okay, so there's a monster. And then, like, her and Jonathan are still party. And Steve sees then, it through the window. And then we get Nancy the slut wheeler at the movie theater. <laughs> then you get the fight steve getting yeah steve getting his ass kicked by jonathan Jonathan yeah and then they end up at and then they end up at the police station all roads lead to the popo (laughs) so then they start talking about everything and then that's when they're like oh we should probably like start working together so now it's joyce hopper jonathan and nancy all working together and then the kids are still kind of off doing their own thing, but eventually they all come together. Uh, but let's go to the part right that's coming up next right here where Eleven has gone off on her own for a bit and she's going to yeah. do some shopping. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, she gets to I go in and she just steals all the Eggos. What did what did Ego make from this show? Seriously, I wonder. Yeah. They probably I know, talk, I about, know. talk about the ultimate product placement. Just... Well, in in season three, they've got new Coke. Yeah, and Coke's actually releasing it again in small batches. Well, well they have they have a Funko Pop exclusive to Baskin Robbins. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, what? you can buy you can buy a Steve Funko Pop. At Baskin Robbins because that's where he's working in season three at the mall. I yeah, you can buy a pop exclusive at Baskin Robbins now. Of all places, all the stores you have had pops, you can get one at Baskin Robbins now. I might have to go see if my Baskin Robbins guy still works there. I might be able to get one. Oh, let me know, please. I'll go talk to Edgar. See if he still owns the franchise. <laughs> Yeah. I've got so many thoughts of what I think season three will be. So like once we start getting like predictions, which is happening, teasers. I will watch um, season two. It's next after I watch some other things. It gets even better and better. Season two is awesome. Oh, but, season two is Yeah. Well, we still gotta finish season one. So there's so, still a little yeah. bit more that we need to talk about. Just a little. <laughs> so I guess we're gonna go a little over our time. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. We're getting it's close. It's been a great here. conversation. I'm not mad. So, I mean, we completely glossed over the fact that the boys used Eleven to find Will and be upside down and talk to him, and they blew up the radio. Rip radio. We completely glanced over that. And the lab comes and investigates the radio aspect to figure out that she was there. Um, they all end up building. You know, they all kind of go their ways. You have Lucas and Mike fight, and Eleven basically force pushes Lucas into a car. Wow. Yeah, and then it's Lucas like... kind of does his own thing for a little bit. That's when he goes off and he finds the laboratory, like I had talked about earlier. Thanks to Justin's idea of magnets, like, you know, compasses not working because of magnets. And then they all make up. Well, yeah. Yeah, you, Dustin, like, comes in, he's like, you need to apologize. And then he's like, but 
you need to apologize. You start it. And he pulled out like party rules. So like they're still kind of like talking like, you know, D&D. D&D. With all of that party rules. You started it. You apologize. So then they go and then they spit shake and everything's all fine and dandy. Yeah. And then they build the sensory deprivation tank. They discover Barb's gone. Rip Barb. Bye bye, Barb. Nice knowing you. And then they figure out where Will is. And they end up. So Joyce and Hopper go to the upside down, while Jonathan and Nancy go to the buyer's house to kill the demogorgon while the guy while the kids are at the school with him. And Jonathan and Nancy go full home alone on this house with all the booby traps. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they've got a bear trap, they've got trip wire, they've got the spiked bat now, and then like so all of that stuff's happening. And then Steve comes bumbling in after he gets his butt handed to him. And then he's just like, no, I need to know what's going on. And then Nancy and Jonathan are both kind of like, dude, not now. Like, we're in some deep shiz. And they're really trying to, like, make him not be a part of it. But too little, too late. Because then, oh, and also, we didn't touch on this, was they also discovered that blood is what kind of draws in the Demogorgon. Because... Barb had cut her hand on the beer can, and then the deer had the blood, and then so they were summoning the Demogorgon by slicing her hand. Nancy sliced her hand to, like, summon the Demogorgon, and then Steve shows up. And Steve goes to leave and comes back when they're fighting the Demogorgon. Right. And they end up trapping it in a bear trap. It's setting well, also, it on fire. <laughs> well, also, too, that, like, Steve, like, he, like, runs back in and he, like, takes the bat with the nails in it and he starts beating the crap out of it, like, being, like, the, the tough guy that he is, especially after he got his, you know, got his ass kicked. So he's, like, he's got something to make up for now and, like, showing him still a tough guy and he starts beating the crap out of it and then they all, like, run into the room and then that's when they trap the again and set it ablaze. And then, meanwhile, and they 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 think they killed it, right? Even though they didn't. Meanwhile, we'll go and talk. You know, at the school, the sensory deprivation tank, where they well, have. So they the the laboratory finds them at the school, and rushes them. And you get to find out that the Demogorgon isn't dead. <laughs> yep. The Demogorgon's going around and wreaking havoc and killing people left and right. And we also see more of Eleven's powers when she takes down a lot of Brenner's uh, yeah. people in a big bad way. Yeah. Yeah. We get to see the double nosebleed. Yeah. The eyes and the ears. Yeah. Up. Yeah. And then, I mean, and then the Demogorgon shows it. Yeah. It, so much happens in the school right here. Yeah. Cause like even, and 
before, like even before like all the drama hits, just like how Joyce is like such a mom character during the se- sensory deprivation take, and like she was Eleven was out like, looking for Will and the upside calming down, her down as she's freaking and she's, out. Yeah, and it was just like, oh, that's so heartwarming. She's like, no, it's okay, it's okay, and like like getting her back into like a good spot, and then. I will say, because like I said, Dustin's my favorite character. So then, like, while they're at the school, Dustin's like raiding the kitchen, and then she's like, "I knew <gasps> the pudding." Like, I, the pudding, and she's like, "He's like, I knew the cafeteria lady was holding out on." I found the pudding. <laughs> all right, and, you know, you know, a little back. Easter egg there talking about Goonies. That's a little throwback to Chunk finding all the ice cream in the free in the refrigerator. Just mm-hmm. FYI. So, <laughs> Mr. Junkie, I gotta ask. Growing yep. up in the uh, 80s, did the lunch ladies hoard the pudding? They always hoarded it. They were greedy. <sighs> yeah, selfish. Hey, yeah. Uh, has that changed? Will be the questions. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think so. I feel like if anything, it's probably worse, especially because like you get healthier foods now. So like when you actually get that sweet. Yeah. Yeah. When you actually get that sweet thing, it's like, oh, this is only for the first five people of every lunch hour. The rest is for us because we're already far too gone. Good luck, kiddos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that school scene's crazy because then you get to the fact when Eleven confronts the Demogorgon. <laughs> and that's pretty badass. Yeah, when she uses her powers and yeah, it's against the wall and everything. I love that. And then she just says goodbye to Mike. It's like, whoa, what's like? Yeah, she's like, it's gonna kill me to kill this creature. Yeah, poof, she gone. We think. So yeah. we think. Yeah, because you know, season two yeah. happened. See, <laughs> yeah, see, sequels, sequels. Yeah, uh, they made a season two, so obviously things happen where she comes back. But yeah. But it was a really cool effect that they had with like all of like the it it sounds silly, but it reminds me of how they killed Voldemort in the last Harry Potter movie of like that like papery, like ashy kind of effect. Yeah. Um, it's the first thing I thought of when I saw how they were both like confettiified to go into the upside down. Kind of like the snap. Right. Uh oh. Worlds collide. Uh oh. <laughs> Marvel things. Uh, no. I'll just say Harry Potter did it first. <laughs> <laughs> that's my franchise. So that's even though that's not what happens in the books, still mad about it. But the movie did it first. So that's where I'm that's where I'm ending on that. So <laughs> one day we'll talk about the differences in the movies and books for Harry Potter. Oh. I, I have a really good trivia me. one. I have a really but, good trivia one. But oh. that's a that's a that's another thing. Podcast. That's another thing. Another thing. I can't wait to dive into Harry Potter thing. That'll take us like hours though, because I could talk about it for the rest of my life and still have things to say afterward. <laughs> so yeah, so, so that happens. Gone. And in the upside down, Hopper and Joyce find Will. Yeah. And he's got like tendrils in him and like, uh, it, it seems so like a Japanese guy drew that scene up. Rude. 
Yeah, yeah but no. <laughs> they pull a basically a tentacle out of. Yeah. Oh, uh, and then oh, oh my god! And then when Hopper's Japan. and then when Hopper's doing the CPR, and it's oh, like, yeah. and then it's like, oh no, he's also like fighting about like what had gone on with his daughter, and just like. The emotional impact that scene had on me, I was crying. Because it was just like, he he was trying to save this, and he started like, you know, punching Will, which like- The movie punch worked. The movie yeah. punch worked. Yeah, doctors, like as FYI, PSA of the day, guys, we'll still do a PSA for this. When you're doing CPR, don't punch somebody's chest. <laughs> doctors <laughs> say no. <laughs> You want to break their bones and possibly do more damage, go for it. Otherwise, right. don't. Exactly. So that's our PSA of the day. Don't commit murder. <laughs> don't commit murder. <laughs> I learned something yeah. new today. Excellent. <laughs> See, we're all about teaching here. On It's okay. all educational. It's all educational. Yeah, it's all it is. Yeah. So, Will in the Upside Down basically looks like a wet zombie. I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> yeah. They lightened him up, gave him some dark circles, and made him moist. Yeah. There's a word people don't like. It, it kind of reminded me moist. of the colorization version of Night of the Living Dead. You ever see oh, that? Oh, yes. Oh, where they were, like, blue and... Yeah. Oh. Uh... Yeah. Ted Turner, why did you have to colorize our films? Uh-uh. Well, actually, so it's a fun fact. Apparently, like, reds and blues showed up better in black and white. So that's that's why. Like, so... Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, it's like, go, go watch a behind-the-scenes of, like, the monsters or something that was in black and or, white and see how the stage really looked. the Adams looked. family yeah. is, like, exactly. bright pink and blue and red and all super colorful, but then, like, it's in to black and white the contrast, and it's so yeah. creepy. Yeah. The, yeah. the contrast for it. But, yeah, so, after they basically pull Will out, he wakes up in the hospital. Boys see him. You know, they reunite. And then it gives you a flash to a couple months later. Yeah. Zombie boy. Pukes up a slug. Yeah. It goes down the drain, but where does it go? Where does it go? The water supply. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, I'm sure Mr. PCNJ. PCNJ and I know where this uh, little slug has gone because we've seen it. Right, yeah, it's so it. cute. It's so adorable, too. <laughs> yep, yeah, poor... I'll just say this. Poor kitty cat. <laughs> I know. I guess season two will be on my list. We'll have a, a thing like this for season two, probably well, toward um, the end. We, we kind of forgot one thing to mention. Whenever Joyce and Hopper go into the Upside Down world and they're they're looking for a will, they come upon the, the alien reference with all these eggs. And so you know oh, there's, yeah. there's more to come. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good way of setting up. So we're not done yet. And then, oh yeah, the destroyed castle, Briars as well. His his castle. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I'm sure there's a bunch of pop culture references throughout this whole thing that I've missed. Like Will asking at the end if it's an Atari for his present because he held Dustin's day <laughs> and it was about the same weight. I love that too because this was in 83 and that was yeah. still two years before Nintendo. So. Yeah, because I heard it and I'm like, oh, that is Atari era. Like when I yeah. realized it's supposed to be there because the new season that's coming is setting close to when Nintendo shows up. Close to it. I mean, that's when the arcades are in bloom. That's why they have arcades in this season. Yeah, I loved it. That was so good. Dig yeah. Dug. I love Dig Dug too. One of my favorites. I was happy they didn't just. I thought they were gonna maybe just do. Oh, one day they're hanging out at the arcade and then the stuff happens. But you see the arcade throughout the season. I love that. It's gonna be. I'm liking it. Yeah. So it's kind of cool too. So we got like. Kids running around outside, and then the next season, it's arcades, and then the season after that, it's we're all hanging out at the new mall. Yeah, like, it's summer. So we got the pool, we got the mall. Like, I'm so ready to make all my predictions. I've been thinking of everything. So, being that you are the pop culture junkie, what are some of your favorite pop culture 80s references throughout this series? Oh my gosh. Uh, so... Obviously, there's a lot of references to Star Wars or Star Trek with the sci-fi element. Uh, there was a not well-known movie called Firestarter. I don't know if y'all ever saw it. it came out in '84 with Drew Barrymore, very young Drew Barrymore. I've where heard she, of it. She has the power to start fires with her mind. She can just make things happen. So okay. that's a very obvious, you know, connection Reference. to Eleven. Okay. Uh, the the whole thing with the lights, with uh, Joyce and the lights, that's Close Encounters of the Third Kind, easily. Yes. And then, of course, alien eggs that we see that we know are going to possibly be other Demogorgon. That's obviously from Alien, Aliens, and such. Um, E.T. Hello, we didn't even talk about that. When the boys and all are on their bikes chasing, being chased by the vans. Yeah. And Eleven just... Bam! The the van flips over and crashes. That's obviously ET reference. ET references. Yeah. Uh, what else? Oh well, I mean, Will going missing all of a sudden. Uh, Poltergeist, nineteen eighty two. The original Poltergeist. Not, don't get me started on that remake one. And they even had a scene where they talked about it in here because it, there's a scene where Joyce is remembering going, getting tickets to go see Poltergeist. Uh, Will. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was the yeah, scary movie he wants to see. That's right. Uh, oh, also, uh, so like the scene where the boys are at the quarry and the bully has the knife with, with against Justin and or Dustin, I'm sorry. And, uh, that whole thing with the bully element, uh, reminded me of stand by me, uh, from, uh, 86 with, uh, Keeper mm-hmm. Sutherland played the bully in that. He did. That was a Stephen King movie, actually. That was another Stephen King movie, exactly. And, of course, we've already talked about it during the show here, but Goonies is very influential on this show, I think, as well. It is. Uh, it's like it's like they took Star Wars, Goonies, E.T., put it in a blender, and then had Twilight Zone playing in the background the whole time. That's a really good way to sum this up. <laughs> yeah, it's just got a little bit of everything, and it... it it gives you that taste for whatever you were a fan of more of, whether it was the clothing, the music, the, uh, the, the movies that were out at the time. It gives you all those elements that are just, you know, makes an awesome stew. <laughs> well, any, any references y'all caught that y'all were uh, in favor of the most or y'all really liked? 
I mean, for me, it was more of like the elements of the way it was shot. Some of the elements, like you were mentioning, like the van flipping, it felt like you're watching a scene from, a, from like a, a, an homage to Spielberg and some of the way the cinematography is done in the chase scene. Uh, um, the way some of the scenes are set up with the upside down and with the lights. As you said, clearly, you know, you get the close encounters, but you still get that kind of like horror movie vibe with a lot of it, too, with the way the lighting's set. So it's like set to not reveal too much of the set at a time, even if you know there's nothing there. And I like the way that's set up. So really watching this for me, what I looked at mostly was the way this this thing was shot. I mean, there's the references we've mentioned, like the Goonies and them being the group. Um even then with Stand By Me, essentially, because it's still the group of kids as a, as, as a friends um, on their adventure. Um, yeah. the, the comic the book references are probably some of my favorite, with him mentioning superpowers like um, Mr. Fantastic or, uh, <laughs> or Will um, wanting the X-Men comic for winning the race against Dustin. Those I appreciated a lot. Those little subtle things. Or, you know, she has superpowers. Right, like Charles and Xavier with her mind power. Like, yeah, with her mind powers. Like some of those are what I've appreciated the most throughout it. Yeah. For me, like, like since I wasn't like, like I said, like I wasn't a product of the '80s, but it's a, it's an era that me as a human I very much relate to and I very much appreciate. But the biggest, the biggest stands out, stands out for me are the cinematography and the overall music score. And like we've gushed about how great the music is throughout this entire, you know, throughout this entire season. And it's, I mean, it's fantastic. I think it's true to the times. I think it really, you know, gives it that, you know, that 80s vibe, that 80s, you know, creepy kind of horror, but like still like watchable, you know, kind of feel to it. And then just like all the shots, like there are some beautiful shots throughout this entire series where like they really just like, let the camera do the talking to really set the scene and the way it's been like edited and mixed. It's just like, for me, like it was, it was gorgeous. It's hard for me to just look at this as a TV show actually, because it for me is just a very, you know, long film. The it's way an episodic it, movie. Yeah, really. <laughs> you know, there is a scene I want to mention that to me is a ref seems like it's a reference to something. And I don't know if you're going to feel this way. So when Will goes missing and he's in the shed and he's getting the gun and loading it up, that to me, I think, at least how I feel and how I look at it, it seems like it looks like, like it's an homage almost to the Evil Dead. I can see that definitely. Because when Ash's goat re runs in, gets the gun to load it when she when the Deadite runs through the door, and then the Deadite ends up actually popping up behind him. And it's not as comedic as it would be in the Evil Dead, but that's kind of something on that I do appreciate because I I see that reference there. Oh yeah, no, I can see that. And then also with the way uh, Nancy and Jonathan with the booby traps they set up and when they're yes. preparing, I mean, just throwing a boomstick and you got Evil Dead. Yeah. yeah. Well, even still, that kind of gave me like, like I know it's not totally eighties. I don't think because I think it came out in the nineties. But like Home, like that's where, yeah, that's what that reminded me of for sure. Was like Home yeah. Alone. It's for me, more of the shots inside of the house when it's at night and they were like going after the Demogorgon, those scenes, they could have been from the dead almost in the way they were shot. Because it's very much inspired by something like that with that tight hallway look. It's a very 
clear horror trope, but the way they did it in that film with the woods all around them in the one cabin, it's almost kind of that same feel when it comes to the way like Nancy and Jonathan go after the Demogorgon. Yeah. Yeah, so they were they were able to fit so much into like this this first season. And like I mean in my opinion, it's no wonder it, it like took off when it did. Cause I remember I remember watching this season or Stranger Things just in general when it first came out. And like me and my friend like binged watched it in the course of like two days. And like we just we couldn't stop. We stopped playing our video games together and we were just like, no, we're gonna watch Stranger Things. And we we went through the whole thing in like two days. And I wanted more. And <laughs> but it was just I didn't want it to stop. I enjoyed watching it. Every every episode like left you wanting more and like you had more questions and you just like you had to continue to explore. So like they had done a really good job. I think also too, just like in like the editing and like making the actual episodes, like where they had you hooked. Like the first episode, it's like, okay, they had great character settings and great, you know, like a good plot device. So you're like, okay, I want to see where this goes. And then like from there, it just continued to build and to grow into like, I'm invested. I need to know how this plays out. Well, most definitely. And I think with that, I'm going to move to, I want, do we have any final thoughts on this? On um, season one, any final thoughts? Um, any closing Mr. things you want to make a point I, on? It? I think they did a really good job of keeping everything in a good balance because like uh, you said at the beginning, how you took looked at it more, a little more, and I didn't see it as a horror film necessarily or horror series right from the get go. I saw it as, okay, something's happening, a little bit of mystery, but then they brought in plenty of moments of a little bit of comedy to break the tension mm -hmm. and to make you just have a good time watching this. You weren't, you weren't always on the edge of your seat uh, thinking anything's going to jump at you in a moment. And they didn't rely on just jump scare stuff. Like a lot of things now does come to the horror genre and they did a great job of dropping in those, like we've talked about pop culture references and the little throwback to the eighties, which I mean, it's in the eighties, but it gives you those moments where you're watching something that's a little serious. And then all of a sudden there's the millennium Falcon. And you're like, Oh, I remember having that when I was a kid or the next scene. Oh, look at that Coca-Cola commercial, even though it brings back bad memories for 11 that she has a flashback on, but little moments like that throughout the, the whole series, it was a good way of balancing it to where it was a fun ride up and down. It was a good roller coaster. Up and down, up and down, just kept you going. Gotcha. Nancy, do you have any final thoughts? I just love this so much. Like, I'm not I'm not the biggest new horror fan, but I very much appreciate a lot of like the cult classics, a lot of the older horrors, and I like I like the tension and the suspense that it did. But because I, I just very much enjoy like all types of TV shows, movies. Not, like all that good stuff so there were a lot of elements for me throughout this entire series that kept me watching it between the music the composition the the characters like all of it i think it was just it was so well done in such a beautiful way and like it's you know it's something that i think that's gonna 
you know, speak volumes for, you know, years to come. I don't think it's going to be a fad. I think, you know, Stranger Things will be one of those things that I talk about with, you know, maybe some grandchildren down the way. Like, <laughs> so my final thoughts are actually a little contrary to that. I do view this more as something that's cashing in on the fact that these things are popular at the moment. That, you know, nostalgia is a popular thing to bank on right now. And that's how I've gone into looking at this series, is that it's banking on things that people are liking right now. Like Game of Thrones has the high production values of the show went into that thing, because this, of course, came out, you know, about six years, five, six years after Game of Thrones started. Um, the nostalgia factor that people have banked on now with things from the 80s being popular again and things from the 90s having a resurgence with, you know, people like myself and Mr. Junkie here who we collect these things still from when we were kids. And we're very much that target audience. That being said, I enjoyed what I saw as a whole. I liked it. Um, will I necessarily sit down and talk about this at length? Well, I just did, but it's not really going to warrant a rewatch for me after I'm done doing it for this. Um, I don't think this is something I'm going to be able to sit down and watch over and over and over again. It's just not my thing. Um, the only thing it does for me is hits on those nostalgia factors for D&D &D and the music and things that maybe are from the 80s that I remember still growing up in the early 90s. Um, but I'll watch season two. I think we can do this again for season two. Most definitely. Because I think, honestly, you're going to probably enjoy season Because they've had some time to refine themselves a little bit. And that's it. I'm willing to give it a shot into that. Um, usually my rule is a three-episode three episode try on a show. Um, my rule is by a third episode of shows found its voice enough for me to be hooked. Um, this one kept me going through three episodes, so I wrote it out and I'll continue to go with it. Um, but yeah, I guess on that note, Mr. Junkie, where can we find you on the internets? Uh, well, you can check out my YouTube channel. It's uh, pop culture junkie on YouTube. You can also follow me on all my different social media platforms, such as, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, it's at PopCultureJunk2. Uh, on Instagram, it's the real Pop Culture Junkie, And then on Twitter, I'm sorry, on Facebook, it is the Pop Culture Junkie. So any order of those, you can find me. And I will make sure there are links and handles in the description for, the, for this episode. Appreciate that. And it was a blast getting to hang out with you guys and, and talk about Stranger Things. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, no, most definitely. Yeah, Thank you for fun. taking the time. Um. You want to come back for when we do season two? Oh, most definitely. All right. All right. Most definitely. Got plenty to say about that season as well. I know, me too. Yes. Give me an excuse to rewatch it again. Well, <laughs> I guess on that, you can always reach out to us at the podcast. Just email us, a thingpod at gmail.com. Um, on that note, I guess, to be continued in season two. To be continued.